Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. This is a live online discussion of ancient yogic texts amongst meditation practitioners in the Shambhavananda yoga tradition. My name is Acharya Satyam, a resident teacher at Konalani Yoga Ashram in Hawaii, and I welcome you with love and respect. Got a very um, full concept today for class. The meditation today will teach itself. Um, I'm pretty excited. As you can see, the uh, title for today's class is Cosmic Nectar from Sound to Soul with Matrika Shakti. The transformational power of sound is very much a part of our practice in many different forms, you know, whether it's from the Guru Gita to literally chanting mantra to Kirtan to working with Babaji when he does uh, satsang and just trying to absorb that work from a deeper layer. And there's a lot of this concept already pervading our practice and all the instruction that we've received, you know, from our teachers and, and from the lineage just aligns obviously and perfectly with the ancient teachings that are presented like in the Starna. And so as I was working with it, you know, you feel gratitude for the fact that the practice that you've already been given is inundated with these teachings. Uh, from the very first time you were taught mantra, you were taught about the many different layers of mantra and how it might start on the tongue, but that it goes towards the throat and it ends, you know, in the heart or in the navel and these deeper experiences. You know, every time you've done mantra uh, with the Sangha, you've done it and you've been sort of coaxed to quote unquote, go deeper, to feel the mantra, to not just say it, to resonate with it. The the power of sound, Matriga Shakti, is very much a part of almost every practice we do together. Um, and it is at the heart of Dharana 7, which takes us through our physical body, from the base up through the navel, through the heart, the throat, the crown, and beyond, um, with the power of Sanskrit vowels, not even syllables, not even mantras, just the individual vowel sounds. I found in my practice that using these vowel sounds uh, was super powerful because they were so simple. I could really just bring my awareness to this one thing and place it in this one spot in the body and just do it over and over and over again. It's almost like the, the mantra Ram, you know, just like you can just, you just feel like I can do this endlessly. And, uh, and for me, it was just this guided tour that just took me inside so effortlessly. And so I'm really excited to share that with you today. Again, the meditation for today almost teaches itself. So a little little background on mantra. We're going to do a little bit more talking. And then again, remember, we're going to move around with this for yoga. Then we're going to meditate and then we'll talk about it. Um, and so a little bit of background on the concept of Matrika is presenting here in Shiva Sutra 1.7. Can I get a reader to help me out with this? Anybody? 
All right, Anju, thanks. Go for it. Thanks. Okay, can you hear me okay? Yeah, just. Machika is the mother who is unknown to the universe. She is the creative cause of all mantras and all knowledge. Matrika Chakra is concerned with the theory of the Sanskrit alphabet from the letter A to the letter Cha. There are 50 letters. The 50 letters represent the existence of the whole universe. The universe is composed of 36 elements and the 36 elements are represented by the 50 letters. The representative letters of Shiva, the first supreme element Shiva Tattva, are the 16 vowels beginning from A, and ending in huh, the sarga. Excellent. Thank you, Anju. Matrika, the mother of the universe who is unknown. That is a key part of the practice today and a key part of understanding how to access these deeper layers of mantra. Matrika, the mother of the universe. So from which the universe emanates. The mother is unknown, almost similarly to how they, the scriptures say that the, the Turiya state, the foundational aspects of our awareness is always unknown to us. And through our practice, we prepare ourselves for its reception, meaning we actually sort of set the stage to experience it. Because as we know, uh, these deeper layers can't be experienced directly through our mind. So we have to slowly and successively just sort of let go and arrive at this experience. The alphabet in Sanskrit is much more than a tool for talking, uh, as again, we know, but uh, it is the literal manifestation of the universe. Uh, each letter corresponds to an aspect of the tattvas, which is uh, the tattvas are the sort of the manifestation map of, of all of reality. Um, so from Shiva all the way down to earth is mapped out with the sounds of the alphabet. Um, and so this is something that is more common knowledge these days, interestingly enough, than you might expect. Um, how many people here have like um, worked with like while they work at the computer something used binaural frequencies anybody a couple people in this room looks like everybody online is raising their hand um see the podcast won't know that nobody's in there um or if have you ever meditated for example or or like do you know about the concept <laughs> of frequencies being utilized for quote unquote sound healing or things to that nature. You've probably heard about that. Um, sort of the, the beauty of our linear of our practice is that we really just get right into it. And sometimes those uh, practices uh, we can almost like we absorb them through our other practices, but nonetheless, there's a, there's a lot out there right now about, you know, the power of, of frequencies, the power of sound. Um, and you can sort of see whole grids and maps of how people have mapped it out. I didn't, that's not my research. That's not my science. That's not what I'm here to present on. But I think it's it's worth noting that frequencies, um, you know, are being studied. Uh, there is a correspondence, according to uh, a lot of these studies, to uh, focus or relaxation, um, opening your heart or grounding, you know, things like that are a part of the conversation right now. 
and um, that this was always the case with yoga, uh, that the yogis were working with these sound frequencies thousands of years ago, except they were literally producing the sound frequencies from inside and then letting that production of it uh, literally vibrate through their cells from the inside out. I mean, how much can you absorb through your ears, eh, through your senses? Uh, you know, we. how much of a mantra do you get through your mouth from listening to it? Well, something, absolutely. But then how much more at the throat? Usha probably knows the number 10,000 times right more here, right? And then down here, 10,000 times more. So it's like listening to sound frequencies here works at a certain level, but according to the yogic tradition, as soon as you can bring it inside more or even deeper, it's just this exponential liftoff. That's what we're doing. Um, this is a part of our everyday practice. You know, the opening, the introductory lines from the Guru Gita are on the screen. Um, Gita, could you read it? Because you named after this practice. The power of song to the reverend guru is not in from mental grasping, but by simply allowing the mantra to reverberate within one's being. Thank you. Not gained from mental grasping. That's this amazing way to put it. But by, and he says, simply allowing, right? Like it's a simple practice, but we have to allow it to reverberate within us and that's the the benefit that's when the benefits start to unfold well the same goes well we can actually put that into practice and that's what we're going to be doing um so i'm sort of running low on time for my goals so what i think i'm gonna do is yeah what we'll do is we're going to move around a little bit. And then as part of the meditation portion, we'll get into the uh, specifics of where these vowel sounds are located in our body. And then we'll start to use them and focus on them uh, successively, uh, going from the physical to the subtle to the causal and beyond. So with that, so we are going to lay down. I wanted to work with this uh, on your back. So again, you don't have to be able to see me. You just have to be able to hear me. And anywhere you can be, I know you get to, you have like the day bed option. So go for that. Any easy way that you can get to your back. One of the reasons I wanted to work from this position is to really try to get into that space of allowing, as Babaji's quote said, allowing the vibration. And so we've got the knees slightly bent, feet are sort of, sort of drawn in, hands can rest on the navel for a moment. And without too much effort, just see if you can bring the breath down to where you can feel it under your hands. You don't have to do anything super deep with your breath, just so that you can feel a little movement there. All right. 
and you can bring your hands out to the side so you feel your pelvic bones you know those the asis those bones right in the front of the pelvis that little bony protrusion and you'll just do a little rocking of your pelvis and so rocking the pelvis slightly forward creates a small arch in your low back and then rocking the pelvis back flattens that arch a little bit sacrum presses do this a couple of times And then the trick is we're going to do this a little bit less and a little bit less until you feel like you found a neutral spine. A neutral spine, interestingly enough, takes a little bit of effort to maintain. You've got a little curve in your back. You're definitely not like working hard, but there's a little tone probably in the front body to maintain that neutrality. And then from here, unweighting the right foot and unweighting means the foot doesn't actually leave the floor and that is amazing it, it literally just lifts enough to where it can still barely feel your carpet for example if that's what you got under your foot and you'll slowly come all the way back to zero percent effort and then slowly unweight the left foot And so as you're doing this, try to notice not your effort, but rather try to notice and watch the body orchestrating this work. You just unweighting the foot has a ripple effect. The abdominals tone, right? We want to keep the spine pretty neutral. You can feel all the muscles in the legs toning in the front of the hips and behind. You might even feel a little bit of tone in the front of the neck. You'll feel your breath want to correspond to that lift, the exhale probably. Next time you finish that left side, rock your pelvis a little bit again. And we're gonna go a little bit further with this. And so, again, find what you consider to be a neutral, which might require a little tone in the front of the body. Unweight the right foot. And then this time, keep unweighting it until the foot leaves the floor. Imagine the foot is floating up and you're not really doing it. And it just rises up maybe six inches. Then slowly down, feel that foot find the earth. Before you do the other foot, totally relax. And then other side from a toned, from just that, that slight tone it takes to have neutral, the left foot unweights and then it keeps floating, floating up. And slowly floats down. Your right leg extends and your right arm extends. The left foot is still on the floor, so it can sort of push you over onto your right side. And you'll be massaging the rib cage on the floor or on the daybed or wherever you're at. Just be subtly massaging the side body here. That space between the rib cage, the space on the side body gets generally contracted throughout our day. It limits our breath. It limits our gait when we're walking. 
We'll slowly come back to our backs. Draw the feet underneath. And before you roll to the other side, you can push very slowly through the feet to unweight the hips from the floor. Unweighting the hips will feel like you're slowly rolling up the spine. And just keep going with that unweighting as you roll through the sacrum, low back, rib cage, finding yourself eventually at the shoulders, the shoulders and the feet holding you up, the knees tracking with the fourth toe. And again, that gentle tone across the midsection of a relatively neutral spine. Imagine there's a rubber band pulling the hips up towards the sky. And you're going to slowly resist that rubber band as you lay the spine back down. That resistance should allow you to do this with a lot of articulation. Focusing. The left leg can extend once those hips find the floor. The left arm extends next to you. And roll for a moment onto your left side, giving those that side body, the rib cage, a little bit of attention, a little bit of life. And then from here, we're going to roll all the way onto our belly. This might be something I noticed if not all of you can lay down. Um, for example, this would actually be something you can do pretty easily from your chair. Well, actually, in a second, sorry. But for now, stack the hands and bring the head to the uh, the forehead to the tops of your palms or the backs of the hands, rather. And revisit the breath. Remember before we had the breath coming up into the hands, and now the breath is gently pressing into the floor. There's a tendency to overdo it when we want to feel something or notice something. But see if you can do it like with half as much expression that might preserve a more natural pathway. You can shimmy the hips a little bit to release any tension that might accumulate in the low back through the previous work. And then from here, we can slide hands out just uh, beyond the shoulders. Wide as feels good. The shoulders should relax down the back. You're facing the floor or facing the wall in front of you if you're sitting up. And then a gentle reach back through the right leg can help to lift you up and slightly turn to your left. Go about half as far as you think you were going to go. And then slowly back down. Let yourself really relax all the way down and then slowly pull the carpet or whatever the floor is toward you. Left leg reaches back and you just turn uh, five to 10 degrees to the right. Good. Hands come back under the forehead. Breathe again. Hands slide back out. This time, press a little bit through the hands and tuck the tailbone slightly under so that you feel the front body engage. A little bit of tone through the front body like we felt on our backs. That little bit of tone sort of keeps you honest. And with that little bit of tone and that very slight tuck of the tail, 
uh, the hands glide back, they pull back on the floor, the right leg reaches back, and you can just sort of lengthen diagonally to the left with the crown of the head. And we'll come all the way back down and then uh, to the other side, left leg and a diagonal reach to the right with the crown of the head. And back down, hands come under the forehead one more time. And the hands can just float back out and go ahead and reach them a little bit further in front of you, almost like Superman. And then just very slowly glide the hands back. And imagine for every centimeter, for every sort of inch or two, the hands glide back, your heart lifts a centimeter. So your heart lifts a little bit, but it's in conjunction with your arms gliding back to that original position that we were in with the hands just outside the shoulders. Relax neck by turning head side to side, sort of bobble the head. Great, and then from here, just keeping it real easy, we'll extend the right arm and just play with this, uh, depending on mirroring and all that. You're gonna roll back onto your side for a second. And then we'll end back on our backs to finish. Hopefully that wasn't too complicated. And then just finishing with a couple of pelvic tilts. Massage out any sort of any any tension that might accumulate there in the the low back and the sacrum, and hands can rest on the navel for a couple of finishing breaths. All right. Now, getting up could be a part of your practice. Uh, I'm going to get up by just cruising over to the side body, drawing the, the knees in, almost like in that fetal position. And then the top leg reaches as the hand pushes, and you come up to seated, being cross-legged for a second. Man, from cross leg position, whichever foot's in front of, of that cross legged position, put the other hand be now put that same but no yeah, put the other hand behind you. So if my left foot's in front, my right hand comes back and that can take you to a table. And then that table allows you to stand back up if you're going to your desk chair or to a chair or to your meditation cushion. You can just go over towards that. So we're going to transition into our entire practice meditation. Um, but of course, this one's pretty guided by the dharana. Um, so I got some information there that I'm just going to let go of for now. Maybe we'll revisit it next week. I sort of want to take our work and move with it. So let me pull it up for those in this room. Okay. And for everybody to see. So we've got 12 vowel sounds. Vowel sounds, actually, this sort of does feel pretty easy to talk about real quick. Stand independently. That's what um, swara means, that which stands independently. Um, it represents the soul, the vowel sound, because it stands independently. Consonants, on the other hand, vyanjana, they are dependent. So, uh, for example, you have the vowel sound, uh. You can say a vowel directly. You can be like, uh, 
uh, you know, E, I, O, for example, in English. Um, but you can't say a consonant without accompanying it with a vowel. So they're dependent. Uh, so like if you want to say T, you'd you're, you're using a vowel to do it. So consonants in Sanskrit sort of represent the body because they require, you know, they can be adorned. They sort of they're dependent upon, et cetera. But the vowels represent the soul. And that is what we're going to work with, the 12 primary vowel sounds. The first three sounds um, are all right on top of each other. Um, according to Swami Lakshmanju, he was saying they're literally layer, layer, layer right there on top of each other. Um, and so we've got a short A, a long A, and a short I. Um, using the uh, pronunciation guide in the back of the Guru Gita, um, I brought sort of a lot of stuff together here. The Dharana, some notes from Swami Lakshmanju, the pronunciation of the of the vowels themselves, etc., um, and then we've got all 12 that we're going to look at or, or work with together one at a time. And so our goal is to go from the physical to the subtle, to the causal, et cetera, or beyond. Um, and so very simply, uh, we'll, you can bring your, at the beginning, it'll probably be mostly like visualization because they're so close together. But eventually as they start to separate, we're like at the navel and the heart and the throat. You can use your fingertips if you like, or you can just bring your awareness to these spots as I say them. All right. So the first three are down at the base. So they're sort of like areas we're not used to maybe talking about or, you know, um, visualizing things like that. But nonetheless, when you're in the anatomy framework, the subtle body anatomy, here we are. So the short A is like the uh in the word like but. So uh, and a lot of the time what I'll do is I'll literally say the word that I'm supposed to be saying, like the next one's O like in mom. So I'll say mom, and then I'll just sort of drop the M's. I'll be like mom, uh, uh, uh. Ah, uh, you know, you just find it and then you sort of draw it out. And so you can do that at any time in this process, like the in bits. I'll be like bits and then it, 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 like that. I realize now my sound is probably breaking up because it's recognizing that. Let me turn this off. Okay. So let's do the first three together um, a little bit at a time. So the short A is uh, the level of the generative organ. Uh, and as you can see in the text, it's the very bottom of us, uh, the bottom of the bottom. Uh, but above that is like the pelvic floor. And then above that is what, how they describe it, is the tangle of many nerves or where we are conceived in the womb. That's how Swami Lakshmanju tried to describe its location. So we'll do each of these three um, right now. So. Take a moment to work with the uh sound to find it for you. You gotta just go ahead and do it out loud. But uh uh and then just start to work with it very simply and try to find that out loud vibration. Let the sound correspond to the placement on the body. Uh, 
pause for a moment. Going up slightly, pelvic floor, sort of the space between your sit bones, a little bit up, uh, Muladhara Chakra, and it's like the O in Mom, so Mom, um, Don't be afraid to, to experiment with it out loud, whether you're at home or wherever you're at. Pausing. And then the short eye. This is the quote unquote tangle of many nerves uh, where we are conceived in the womb. The eye in bit, it's a little up from the pelvic floor. Bit, it, Pausing. And now it starts to get a little bit more spaced out. And we continue with now the long I. This is like the E in beat. So like beat. This is at the navel, which you can play with. Is it a little bit below the belly button, a little bit above the belly button? In the text that I was reading, it it seemed to be referred to a little bit differently by different sources. And so I thought, well, feel with it. What feels more appropriate to you? Um, some of the text said it's sort of near that solar plexus. That'll be a slightly above it. Um, other times I just feel like the navel is below. So E, E. Notice the tonal frequency that you're tapping into. Moving up to the heart. This is like the uh and put. Put. Ut. Uh. Ut.
breathing. can swallow and bring your attention to the base of the throat the long you sound like the oo in pool 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 Again, if you swallow, your tongue will naturally gravitate to the top of the mouth, the palate. And here we have the short E sound, like the E-I in rain, 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 rain. If you have any trouble differentiating these tones, you might have to say them out loud more. I found that if I tried to hum them, they all sort of came together. But as soon as they're out loud, they really separate. Hey. Hey. Pausing the space between the eyebrows the i ai sound in aisle i Pausing, bringing the attention to the middle of the forehead. O and opal. O. to the apex of the cranium, the AU sound, the ow and out, 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 Our last two are not in the body, but represent sort of spaces beyond, and you can work with that intuitively. 
Shakti here, the AM sound, pure energy. Um, And finally, the energy which appears when Kundalini finishes its journey. And so again, just working with it at an intuitive or heart level, AH sound. Uh, now taking a couple minutes to go through slowly on your own and you can work with the vibration again out loud or you can experiment with intuitively trying to go deeper to where you might visualize or try to hear the sound and associate it with the space to imagine it as this sound is already happening at that space and just tuning in to the frequency of that space. And that could allow you to experiment with a little bit less doership, a little bit more receptivity. So we'll take a couple minutes for self-practice and the sounds are on the screen.
And for the last few minutes, working directly with the Paul Rep's translation of the Dharana, which I'll read out loud. Devi, imagine the Sanskrit letters in these honey-filled foci of awareness, first as letters, then more subtly as sounds, then as most subtle feeling, then leaving them aside, be free. Devi, Imagine the Sanskrit letters in these honey-filled foci of awareness, first as letters, then more subtly as sounds, then as most subtle feeling, then leaving them aside, be free. And imagine all the work you've done really generated nectar, like this honey-filled awareness, and there's a richness. And you've done the work of sort of collecting your awareness, like a bee collects pollen, and you've generated the nectar, it's there. But you've got to switch gears and drink and soak in this direct experience. And so leaving aside the specifics and trying to simply absorb this nectar might be this last line. Let your natural practice flow. You know, let your awareness just draw towards the heart and feel that pathway is almost lubricated through this work. Every time you exhale, naturally expand from the inside out and notice how that, that ability 
might unfold a little easier than you're used to. Paul Reps is very specific in using the honey-filled foci of awareness. Feel your awareness as filled with honey, filled with nectar. And after your next exhale, let the inhale draw in naturally as you open the eyes slightly. See if you can retain that, that honey-filled essence as you just breathe and the senses begin to do their work. And we'll just take two or three minutes to reflect on the experience of working specifically with these swara sounds, these vowel sounds in these specific locations and working with them from physical to subtle and beyond. Also with the idea of uh, letting them go and residing in that space. And so uh, allow yourself to engage a little bit deeper with this practice of jnana yoga and and write 
a couple of minutes about your experience. And we'll be sure to revisit this meditation next week, of course, and we'll have more time with it. But uh, yeah, take a few minutes. Remember, if writing ever feels like it puts you in your head, write a poem, write a haiku. That'll put you right back into your experience. All right, maybe finishing your thoughts. Of course, we don't have a ton of time uh, left. That's just how it went today. But uh, if you want to underline something on the page that stood out to you, we can be fun to share a few key words to sort of see where this landed for everybody.
Was I muted that whole time? Yeah, great. Okay. Sorry. So many things happening. Openness. Sorry if I go a little quicker. Aha. New awareness to sound. Solace. Grounding. All sounds are present. Tune into the frequency. Greater sensitivity. Massaging. Ease. Question. And oh, okay, cool. And we have a written question. When we talk and these sounds are part of a conversation, are we activating the corresponding areas or is it only when we bring consciousness to it? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, for me, I, I only have experience with this from the practices, uh, this practice in the dharana, from the bija mantra practices that we do, you know, up the, the chakras for the most part. Um, and then just the practice, the concept of trying to have one's awareness in the heart while they talk so that all your um all your sounds are coming from a place that's beyond the mind, so to speak. And so as far as uh, correspondence um, in physical locations, it's beyond my personal experience. Um, what, you know, what I would say is that when we do the Guru Gita, for example, I think one of the reasons it's so purifying would be because it is, it is a conscious practice where you're using your awareness with vibration, and it really is a range of Sanskrit vowels. Um, so perhaps that's one of the reasons Babaji is constantly telling us it's like therapy, where it's like it's really purifying practice. Sure. Um, and so, so that might be the time when I think your question would sort of come closest to being answered in our practice would be an example like the the Guru Gita. And it is one of the reasons in the beginning why it's so exhausting. Uh, do you remember the first times doing the Gita? Like I felt it was like running a marathon. If you ever play the Gita, like that then you have that experience again. You like realize how much is happening in there. So I would venture to say that it is occurring when we're conscious. And that the that you can have a direct experience of that of the answer to that question, you know, during, for example, the Guru Gita, or perhaps, you know, when Babaji's teaching satsang, you know, it's another great example of someone or an, or a possibility of of having the subtle body corresponding to a variety of sounds um and seeing where that lands you know in your practice because for me the practice is always the litmus test i feel like if i can't whatever i can experience my practice is is what is real and i know my mind can imagine a lot of things that may or may not be real so um, I think the practice uh, in itself sort of answers the questions for us a lot. Thanks. That was a fun question. I am zooming out a little bit on my screen. 
Ah, and I'm glad this question came up, Roseanne. It's one of those things where I'm like, I feel like I try to allude to this when I teach, but I never, I probably should just say it flat out. Every single dharana <laughs> is this dharana represents a technique that should hopefully unlock your daily practice. Um, that these are sort of meant to live in a, a, a space of almost like how you might go to a yoga class, find something that really works for you, but but you have maybe a personal practice that you're coming back to every day and something can awaken in you via uh, a certain movement. But then like, it's really about our everyday practice. Like uh, the, the tightrope I'm walking with the Vigyana Bhairava is the fact that Babaji has emphasized so much in the last year and a half. Keep your practice simple. Keep it as simple as you can keep it and go deeper in the simplicity. And so hopefully these practices, uh, and actually to be honest, and I know we're over time, so I totally get it. If anybody has to go, you will not offend me. I'll just try to finish this question within a minute or two. Um, Shiva is really adamant in the introduction uh, about the slippery slope of technique. And so interestingly enough, I feel like the timing for us to do this text as a Sangha and Babaji to be so adamant about keeping your practice simple and really doing the basics. It's almost like it really is keeping us honest every step of the way for all the, you know, 112 ways to meditate, so to speak, um, to where we have to ask ourselves, okay, I did this practice. And I'm probably going to, you know, do it uh, again while I'm working with this text. You know, we're going to work with it again next week and and let it sort of unlock some doors in you. But then like see, and that's what I was trying to go for at the end of the meditation. Translate it right away into your into your practice. Like what is open in you? What is this experience like? And. Um, can you sort of access this this sort of feeling from the base all the way to the crown during your your everyday you know heart meditation or the practices that Babaji has sort of given you or us? And that's you know really up to us. We really have to walk that tightrope together. Um, so so yeah, we're figuring that out together. And thank you for asking that specific question. I'm glad. I should almost feel like it should be at the end of every class. So do it this week, you know, if you want to watch it with the recording, if you want to look at the, this, this stuff, I'll, maybe I can figure out a way to make this, uh, email me and I can send you anybody who wants to, I can send that to, um, and, um, play with it, but then always like, let your normal practice be the, the bookmarks or the, sorry, the sort of the the book binding sort of on the edges and this is sort of in the middle for fun and then let's check in see how it goes next week curious again thanks sorry to go over time thank you everyone namaste see you next week we'll revisit this material see how it went for you <laughs>